Do you wanna rub on Simba's tummy? Or think that Spider-Man looks extra yummy? The pain of childhood is super funny. On Did That Do It For Ya? With Aurelia Grierson. Hello, and welcome to another episode of That Do It For Ya, the Sexual Awakenings podcast, where we talk about the media that made us horny for the first time. I cannot overstate how excited I am to have these two guests here on the pod with me. Please welcome two legends, Clementine Von Radix and Pia Marchetti. Hi. Hey. Hello. I thought friends. you were going to say two lesbians two based on lesbians. that intro. <laughs> and I was like, that's uh, not inaccurate, but also perhaps not the totality of the. No, I'd <laughs> say deal. like one and a half lesbians, as the straights would probably think. Yes. That's the, that's the hetero math on that. I made the mistake of sharing an episode of Clementine and my podcast with Clementine to my heterosexual, my well-intentioned heterosexual boss and her husband. And they were so confused how Clementine can be both non-binary and refer to themselves as a dyke. And uh, I didn't know how to tell them that I am too. Like we all yeah. are. <laughs> Actually, I can use the D word. <laughs> I need uh, the guests at home to know, and we can cut this out if Clementine would rather them not know. But uh, Clementine just lit up a. <laughs> oh yeah, no, they can know. <laughs> Clementine just lit up a fat J. <laughs> We're in Oregon; it's legal here. Exactly. <laughs> I just—it was a beautiful moment. I'm thrilled. We were uh, our most recent episode is dropping today about a uh, party monster, and we had <gasps> to have a lot of discussions about alleged our alleged drug use. Oh yeah. my god! <laughs> I love that movie. Well, boy, do I have some things to say about it. (laughs) I am so excited. Did you know, fun fact, I partied in college season one in the building where that murder took place. Oh, my God. Yeah. Not the room. Not the room. But the same building. That's iconic. I know. Well, Maggie, my beautiful wife, uh, also knew someone from the world of hair because she does hair uh uh about that new angel so i feel like between these two pieces we are all just encircling we're getting closer and closer to james st james that's the goal that's i really really identify with james st james that is to i think everyone's dismay (laughs) entirely unsurprising actually i think i might if i'm trying to do this thing on uh we did the reading where uh, on the Instagram, I'm doing this thing. Who's who? Because I think Clementine and I make a dynamic duo. Right here, we're having a little threesome, which Ooh. is long overdue. Well, but yeah, <laughs> uh, between the two of us, who who do you think's the Michael Alec and who's the James St. James? I do have to say, I think Clementine might be the Michael Alec. I disagree. I, <laughs> I just, I think. <laughs> I, I don't just, think I, either of I, us. I, I, I'm gonna say something. I don't. I think that you will either be like really flattered or really pissed off. <laughs> um, and I'm willing to take my risks. Um, right. I, I just, I think that of the two of you, Clementine just like lives tragic a little better. <laughs> yes, I, they're much better at being tragic than I am. I think we're both tragic, but I, I think they've been more successful. Mm-hmm. That just sounds. They like got a, a book deal. <laughs> I, 
laugh. I, I have, have flair for the self-dramatizing. Like, yes, that self-dramatizing. Like... And I just, I think that Pia, you're just like a little more neon. Just, I, I feel like when I think Are about- you calling me queer? I'm calling you a faggot. Um, but <laughs> I can't believe this. Uh, yeah, you're like your color, your color palette is a little more neon, which I think when I think about James St. James is it's just it's a little more neon. So Good. I can't believe you're like mad that I said that you're James St. James. I thought you just said. No, I just I I think I'm James St. James in real life, but between the two of us, I think I'm Michael Alleg, if only because. I think I would too would come up with a Lorena Bobbitt themed party that involved <laughs> serving hot dogs. That seems like something in my wheelhouse. Probably true, but it's important to remember that the a lot of the parties were collaborations between the pair. True, true. We can't. Yeah. We. I mean, sure. if you want a deep dive into it, may I suggest you uh, check out our new episode of We Did the Reading. I have been telling every single person I know to listen to your podcast. We did the reading. You have been so sweet and so enthusiastic, which Pia and I have both really appreciated because we keep saying that you guys, you are absolutely our target demographic. Like you are <laughs> exactly the type of person who we were like, six people will listen to this podcast, but they'll all be like Aurelia. Well, fun fact, six Aurelias. Six Aurelias. Six Aurelias. Well, a lot of my gay friends actually have started listening. They're very, very turned on by it. So. Oh, that's awesome. The, the word of God is spreading and uh, it's making its way. Exciting. They're all gay people though. They're all gay. <laughs> Good. I mean, we're, we're making for the girls, the gays and the theys and no one else. Yeah. Well, I like kind of realized I only listen to gay stuff and like this podcast is for everyone who's ever had yearning, but like yearning, as I'll talk about on tomorrow when I come on y'all's podcast is like an inherently queer experience. So I think like I listen to this podcast, not my own podcast, though I do do that. I listen to, uh, we did the reading and then my friend who is also obsessed with your podcast, uh, he hosts a podcast called Gay for Play where they... Mm. talk about queer themes and video games so we follow them on instagram yeah this work just a podcast yeah. network of people I'm so excited <laughs> oh my god okay so back to the topics at hand where in the world are you two i am in eugene oregon gross then, true <laughs> and i am in clementine von radek's apartment gross <laughs> also true <laughs> just you know that scene in uh in um pink flamingos where they filth up the house and then when they go to the when the t people come back the furniture rejects them that's basically what i've been doing in my time here. i need you to not turn off the camera or uh, don't hang up when i tell you i haven't seen pink flamingos aurelia i know that's, that's something that like you just need to do i know like, that's just you haven't done the reading. <laughs> I haven't done the reading. Should I should I get to it tonight before I come on your show? Yeah. I, mm. Uh, no. I <laughs> uh, you we want you well rested and in a good mind state of mind for our show. So I'm gonna say maybe don't. Well, I've they got do this, kind I don't think... of kill a chicken. <laughs> Not a it. single thing in Pink Flamingos could prepare you to talk about Taylor Swift. I'm gonna say on record. So yeah, I'll just spoil it, but. I mean, I have like a specific way I like to describe Taylor Swift that I want to like save for your podcast. So I'm not going to go that. into it, but I definitely feel like the, there's no overlap of the Venn diagram that is Taylor Swift and John Waters. 
No, none at all, or very little. <laughs> There's very little Venn diagram there. Um, so as we've been chatting, like Harry old- Styles, <laughs> Harry Styles. Oh, as we've been that's chatting, at the like- intersection. <laughs> wow, your mind, the power. Twinks, all right. Twinks run the world. Speaking of twinks, how how did we all meet? Oh God, Aurelia, that you with y'all. Yeah, Aurelia, you and I met actually like early we met like when we were like 11 you were like 11 or so so young and now I can't even remember I can't even remember the first time we met I just feel like I've always we met through Camilla (gasps) we met at Camilla's 10th birthday Camilla Camilla we're gonna have to bleep that probably we'll bleep it but I have a I have a series of burps that I've saved from different guests (laughs) pretty invasive Mm. um really (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but yeah I completely forgot about that person but you're right yeah yeah that's how we met and then yeah knew each other we're like best friends rivals we dated Lovely. for like three weeks when we were like 14 yeah uh, just generally had like a very very like long and complicated and deeply like adolescent friendship for like a solid decade the way you just described it though and I've never thought about this like that is like I'm including the women that I've had sex with our relationship is the queerest one in my life oh my god (laughs) (laughs) by that rubric absolutely like it was a very like sorted acquaintances best friends lovers rivals enemies (laughs) Uh, let the audio record show that I am massaging my temples (laughs) we're like 10 minutes in um, I also just want to point out that at the birthday party that we met, I recommended that we rent Love Actually to watch, and I got in so much trouble with those parents. I forgot about that scandal. Yeah, that was. I didn't crazy. know. <laughs> Ridiculous. I got in so much trouble. Via yeah, you and I met actually a little later than Clementine and I met, but I also do feel like I've known you my whole life. I think we met. Through that theater thing. Middle right? school? <laughs> no, because we were not in the same middle school. We were not in the same part of middle school. Did we were you all in... meet through OCPA? No. We no. met okay. through um, another name I'll have to bleep. Uh, oh, a person. That is a person I had forgot. That's not true. I thought of an annoying story you told me about her a decade ago. Tell like it now. <laughs> Tell it was it just now. her like smugly inviting every like a bunch of people over for her like 18th birthday party and being like, I just want you guys to know that all of this food is local and vegan and just like taking her birthday party to like preach about how this like rich girl just like preaching about how everyone should buy local and eat vegan which is the most Ashland Oregon bullshit I've ever heard in my goddamn life I just yeah when when I say that like our relationship was very queer Clementine like I still like hold it in this like very like deeply like wonderfully treasured place in my heart my relationship was was traumatizing yeah <laughs> like that. I have like lingering issues from my friendship with her that I talk about in therapy yeah I those friends I uh, I feel like those friends have been harder for me to get over than a lot of the breakups in my life like the friends who just like somehow like zero in on like the part of you that you are like so afraid of being seen and it's just like 
those. Colantine, don't talk about me when we're in the same room together, <laughs> even if it's over Zoom. Wait, okay, wait. What, we met through. Say more about that because I don't remember because, you know, yeah. brain sick. We, well, okay. I have my memory of meeting you is, is clearer than the one of meeting Clementine because I remember you were on the. Uh, I'm so afraid. Ashland Middle School uh, television network. Whams. Wham. You were like you were like the reigning monarch of whams. You were no one. yes. Jeffrey Star, the other Jeffrey Star, was probably the reigning monarch. <laughs> Not we'll MySpace left and, queen and <laughs> the internet's favorite uh, racist Jeffrey no, Star, a different no. one, different Jeffrey Star. My oh, first boyfriend, yeah, Jeffrey Star. Jeffrey Star. Uh, we have to. We should probably illustrate an L word style chart of all of this. Yeah, even if we have to censor the names because it's very upsetting. It'll be triggering to anyone that was ever part of a high school theater department. I think to mm. just see like the profound connections. In my possession, not in the house I'm currently living in, but at my parents' house where I'm not too far from, I have a notebook which includes many illustrations. Um, that you made specifically for me, Pia Marchetti, and this is it includes this is... the uh, the, uh, the the chart of everyone who'd hooked up in the <sighs> theater department. <laughs> it's I I really want to no, look at I'm it right now. I'm massaging my temple. I can't. <laughs> 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 yeah, you called it the transitive property. Oh yeah, the transitive property of of like making out at the time yeah so we can get we can really get anywhere wow just such a proto-lesbian behavior really <laughs> just we all should have known Who from the get-go. <laughs> uh, okay so wait we met through and then you saw me on whams being i saw you on whams i was a sure. fan i was a fan of your work um i thought you were far correct than anyone i'd ever met um though i think correct ugh, when did you start ams Sixth grade. Okay, so we I met you in sixth grade. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Pia, you and I met in like seventh grade. And then, uh, yeah. Because we also did this big bad theater thing together. Not the big bad theater thing that you guys did together, but a different one. <laughs> I forget the name of that theater company. Ashland where we Middle wrote, <gasps> no, oh. the theater company wherein we wrote our own- Murder uh, mystery. Murder mystery. That was and it. I cr- cross-dressed as a comedian who would have guessed you would have loved it i i have heard tell and it haunts me i'll be real (laughs) i would love uh to see the vhs i don't think there is one but i i do have a dvd of my stunning performance in uh noises off that we can all do a viewing party of sometime nice the pure auditions once in all of their high school career gets a lead it's unbearable. <laughs> Place myself on stage. Just an old lady. It's <laughs> an old, slightly older, slightly uh, temporarily British version of myself. Yes. So then Clementine had to go to a, the, a Medford for school. Yeah. Which was sad. And then Pia and I became closer friends in high school. The important thing to state, though, is that while we were in high school, doing Ashland High School Theater Department stuff, Clementine and Pia dated. Is that your wine, Pia? Did your wine come? Well, I don't want to miss, no, I have, I, I'll have to take a break in a second, but I don't want to miss this part about uh, I, my favorite topic, which is that, yes, I have dated 
Clementine Von Radix. <laughs> I technically also have dated Clementine Von Radix. That's true. Well, we I met Pia and I met through you. Yes. And then, yeah. And because then you we- invited me to do a, some big bad theater thing and I did like lighting for it and met Clementine and we uh, looked each other in the eye and we were like, there's two of us. We were like, I guess we should fuck about this. <laughs> I had apprehension about in- introducing you two, I vaguely remember. And then I was like, like I'm creating something horrible. Something is, <laughs> something's bound to happen. I think I, for better or worse, have the type of personality where I like, I either deeply click with someone or I like don't have much to say to them. And I feel like with my like close friends, there is always a risk of like, I feel like it's a common theme in my life that someone's like, oh, I would love to introduce you to this person. You'll either be best friends or you'll speak for two minutes and never again. I don't know which. You might not like each other. Like, it's just like, I can't read it. There's a risk involved here. Yeah, so it's a me issue is what I'm trying to say. (laughs) Well, I mean, clearly it worked out for the best. You have my favorite podcast. (laughs) Yes, and that is what it has all been leading for. Yes, and I do remember like, seeing rampant homophobia about y'all's two relationship from the high school yeah like a weird amount for for 2010 for like how how recently it was it was kind of surprisingly it feels like a different world to think about the way that we were treated it was really wild to like remember people getting caught having straight intercourse Mm -hmm. in the building and receiving softer punishment than you two did for holding hands yeah like we would that was literally it like we would get sent to the principal for like just being caught talking to each other like if we were like in private so it looked vaguely suspicious and like other people would fully be yeah hooking up on campus and get like a a, yeah a pat on the wrist it's just it was ridiculous and it was always framed as as um kind of like an oblivious double standard like it was not overtly homophobic like it was just like it was like we stood out so much that like any affection between us was seen as like as lurid as uh like two 17 year old like two straight 17 year olds fucking it's bizarre all right now that we've talked about how we've met yes uh i would love to uh I mean, what, how we met, it feels very wrapped up in what we are here to talk about today, Yes. which I am, I cannot tell you how excited I am to talk about this, <laughs> <laughs> because when I think about the things I'm passionate about in my art, in my career, in my life, I think it all comes back to this. This started it. This was the, That's... this was the impetus. Oh God. Well, it's, uh, I think in general, in the large picture, I think our, our complicated, uh, sexually charged friendships and relationships are all, we're all rooted in the theater department as anyone that was, uh, participating in high school theater can probably relate to, which I would assume is a good portion of your listenership. And then specifically, it all kind of boils down to the topic of discussion today. Mm-hmm. What which is, is it? Which is Spring Awakening. <gasps> the Duncan Sheik musical Spring Awakening. <laughs> so excited. Um, <laughs> Clementine Von Radix is responsible for... Um, this is all your fault. <laughs> 
a good portion of one time in high school, you accused me of stealing your personality. And I was like, what do you mean? But like, no, that was right. That was accurate. <laughs> that was absolutely a spot on assessment. I have to go. No, you were correct. Everything that you liked and showed me, I was like, yeah, me too. Um, <laughs> this was like a particularly explosive thing that I don't even think you know what you did. <laughs> Yeah, you did a horrible thing, Clementine. Take some I mean, accountability. I'm I'm happy to. I feel like the same thing happened to me. I can trace. I was thinking earlier about how much of the passions in my life I can trace back to this show, to the way that I obsessed about this show and like learned about it. Like, oh my God, truly it brought me so much joy and comfort at a very chaotic time in my life. It, uh, it came out December, it was uh, premiered on Broadway December 10th, 2006. And I know that because that was my 15th birthday. It's your birthday! <laughs> my birthday. Yeah, I share a birthday with Spring Awakening. <laughs> so beautiful. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Wait, I just have to say, I think it's pretty incredible that we're talking about something that was born on your birthday today and something yes. that was born on my birthday tomorrow. Oh my God, yes! Wow. Much to think about. Pia and I, in all of our, uh, in almost every episode, we've had something right before the episode where we've been like, this is spooky in its relevance to what we're about to talk about. Yes. Uh, so that feels very fortuitous. That is, the stars are, are with us. The stars are with us. I it's certainly on brand. <laughs> what? I <said> yes. <gasps> oh my God. Oh, I didn't respond. Um, I... Uh, I meant to, I meant to respond that I felt like our friendship was really rekindling nicely and like, how dare you yell at me like that? Um, it was so, yeah, uh, Aurelia sent me a Sagittarius TikTok last night that was uh, violent, <laughs> like deeply chaotic. <laughs> well, I feel like I can probably, I'll just co-sign it without even seeing it because Aurelia and I are extremely astrologically similar. True. You guys are almost identical, right? Yeah. It's like, it's almost the same. It's good. So uh, you have a type, Clementine. Let's talk about that. (laughs) Let's dig into that a little bit. (laughs) Um, I just want to say, I'm a little bit offended that Aurelia, you never dated me. Everyone else seems to have paired up, but what the fuck? I don't know how honest I want to be about this right now. (laughs) (laughs) You were such an important friend to me. (laughs) Yeah, you didn't want to ruin our friendship. That's what it was. No, I just, you know, like sometimes you have people in your life that you, you feel like deeply spiritually connected to in a way that doesn't feel sexual, but feels transcendent in many other ways. Um, I cannot relate to that statement. I hope that's not offensive. I really just, I really mean it as like, you are one of the most like important, like people in my cosmic journey and uh, not- That's not the point here. I don't care about being important to you cosmically. (laughs) Why did not we fuck? (laughs) Yeah, no, no, I, it's all for the best. I've made mistakes, what can I say? (laughs) Um, But I mean- the amount of just like, just to circle it back to Spring Awakening, speaking of fucking, um, Spring Awakening. Um, yeah, Clementine, show, I remember 
encountering this musical for the first time on Clementine's MySpace. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> I miss MySpace. If I could go back to MySpace, I would go back to MySpace. I was the most creatively fulfilled by MySpace, I think, out of all of them. Yeah, we learned like HTML and like some basic coding skills. Yeah, basic coding. You curated sure. a song, you could curate a color, a quote. It was like impermanent, but it was like you just had like an ever shifting um, self portrait, mm -hmm. which was a very nice diary exercise, actually. I miss it. I miss MySpace. But yes, you had as your song on your MySpace, my junk. And I was like, what? I hate my junk. <gasps> How dare you? My least favorite song. <gasps> okay. It's so good. It's amazing. I took a nice long walk the other day and listened to the soundtrack in preparation for this episode. And I just nice. have to say that I think even if I encountered this now as a 28 year old adult, I would be like, mm, this slaps. This is good. <laughs> this is like full of vague, beautiful, poetic lyrics and some, some really lovely melodies. And the... Uh, it's deeply horny, crucial deeply. to your art practice to this My, day. Yeah, unfortunately, yeah. As I am rapidly hurtling towards 30 and going through my Saturn's return, um, I have finally reached a point where I am kind of, um, I listen to music like Spring Awakening. I also re-listen to it and I, it, it's kind of the same thing I get now with like the Olivia Rodrigo song that is everywhere where I get, I get like nostalgic for feeling things that intensely and feeling like every emotion was permanent, but I don't relate in a visceral way anymore. And that is actually lovely. How freeing. <laughs> but that, that was when I reason in Spring Awakening, I was just like, I remember feeling like everything was life or death and, and that, that very very intense teenage feeling which it, it really captured and was uh so yeah it's one of those things I think when you um I've been listening to Jamie Loft Loftus's Lolita podcast oh uh, I really I really recommend it um but it's basically she's our age and she's just talking about what it was like to be fascinated with Lolita in high school and like she does a whole episode on like the tumblr girl culture of lolita and like the different adaptations and like the aesthetic and uh, does like a deep dive into lana del rey like it's really really fascinating but i feel like but a lot of what it the temples are coming back <laughs> i know <laughs> the eyebrows raised oh. I I but, also um, just like really quick very quick sidebar I have like an eye twitch so I'm not winking at you I'm just no worries pressed out Sorry about that. <laughs> it's okay I <laughs> am directing two shows at once which is anyway go on a lot of, yeah. yeah um <laughs> and I'm also very sweaty it's hot in here believe it okay um the uh Lolita podcast um uh, there's been this big focus on like the type of girl who gravitates toward it is like smart, isolated. It's a thing that makes you feel both salacious and um, like smart and like special. And I feel like I had a similar relationship with Spring Awakening. Like it made me feel, it's actually very like age appropriate, but it made me feel precocious and it made me feel like um, salacious and like mature and like I had and cultured and, um, 
And that was like a very interesting way to approach. Uh, that was like a very uh, guarded way to approach adolescent sexuality that like uh, worked for me at me. that repressed time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would say I'm going to go ahead and speak for you. <laughs> You might as well. Um, I think if anything, this really formulated how I, besides the whole like horniness factor, because this is just a deeply horny show and what it related to there, it definitely set a standard for how I obsess over things. And it mm-hmm. gave me, it gave me something to hinge an identity upon at a time when I was less sure of whomst I am, which was theater and uh, that included what was going on in Broadway. And so then when, when Spring Awakening ended, I tried to keep that energy for Washington Heights, uh, Washington Heights or whatever. Yeah. I'm not, and, let's not correct it. <laughs> and I, I don't, that's how I feel about it. And I've kept that energy towards Lin-Manuel Miranda to this fucking day. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but his lip, lip biting ass. Anyway, I'm sorry. Uh, but he, so, so, um, yeah, it was definitely like f- formed how I, uh, relate to things where I, if I care, I'm going to go like, so f- I'm going to go so hard for it that it's not healthy. <laughs> I don't think I've ever I- loved or thought about anything as much as I loved and thought about Spring Awakening. I would say the same for me as well, except for maybe Lana Del Rey, but that's gone on for so long now that, uh, like I say all the time, like no one hates Lana Del Rey as much as her stands. <laughs> so now it's just, I'm just like, Lizzie, what are you fucking doing, girl? Get it together. The mom. mom. She keeps having <laughs> scandal after scandal and I keep texting you and you're just like, I know. Like, I'm not, ha- I know, I'm not defending it either. Like, that's we not- know, I know what my mother's about, but I can't change the fact that she's my mom, you know? <laughs> and that links back to the whole uh, Lolita conversation, I think, and, and Lana Del Rey. So look at that, things tying together cosmically. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think to kind of piggyback off of your idea, your idea, <laughs> your what you were saying, Clementine, mm-hmm. Um is that I think that this musical kind of came to us, the three of us and only us at a very, just, it couldn't have hit us at a better time, which is like peak puberty. Yeah. <laughs> and I just, I think you have kind of, um, you've hit something which is loving it made us feel special and understood in a, like and to feel special and understood can sometimes kind of maybe feel like a dichotomy. Mm-hmm. And I think the what I remember most is the three of us really just embedding this into who we were, right? In a way that feels very like when identity at a time when identity feels very uncertain and just like very rocky ground, it felt like this rock that we just clung to, and this bonus that it was so horny. absolutely well and I think that like uh, my taste is still like academic queer and horny like that is still like what I spend my day thinking about you know is like things that fall into that subcategory of the planet um I I I think about that show like speaking of it shaping your life I think about that show because until I was 18 all I wanted was to 
be an actor. Like all I wanted to do is um, perform. And at a certain point in that show was when there was a shift to, I think I like studying this text more than I like performing the text. I think I'm more interested in like the research. And at first I was like, maybe that means I'm a dramaturg. And then I was like, actually, I think I want to write things. But that really, that really started because I, of, of how invested I got in researching Spring Awakening. That was like an important step in that realization process. I feel like we haven't even like kind of broken it down for the noobs out no. there. Spring Awakening is a musical based on a play by Frank Wedekind, a German abs- absurdist? No. Yes. Modernist. Modernist. Thank you. Um, about a group of horny teens. Definitely a, a playwright. <laughs> Truly a playwright. <laughs> what did I say? <laughs> No, I just, that's, how I'm, that's I'm just saying that's what I, like, you're trying to define, so you're going too far into it. It just definitely wrote. He wrote plays, a play. Um, and in this, this play is about a group of horny teens growing up in provincial Germany in the late 1800s. So interesting, Clementine, that you say that it was in studying and interacting with this play that it, it made you realize that you kind of want to take a different path. It took a really long time for me to get onto the path that I am on, but mm. from someone who has close to 10 years of a higher theater education under my belt, I want to make Your some big guesses. gay belt. My big gay belt. Um, so I want to make some guesses as to why this was so impactful for the group of us. Yeah. Just based on some, on some theater theory. Um, what I think this play did super well was the very intentional anachronistic elements made you feel like the things that you were experiencing that feel so singular to you have been experienced throughout time in a way that your parents just saying like, oh yeah, this is puberty. Everything happens like this is normal, but like the the anachronism allowed it to be both then and now in a way that made you feel less alone, but also highly intellectual. No, absolutely. Like it felt very like um, it it was marketed in a way that was like, this is the person that made music for teens 15 years ago. And like these, this is a, a it was very like a, a musical for the MTV generation. That was the whole bit. Uh, but because it was based on this play that was uh, over a hundred years old, you were like, oh, but it, it's also like very culture. There's there's so much to study. There's, you know, that's where like I, I got interested in adaptation and like all the different things the text could be. Uh, and that, yeah, was very, very much, I agree. That was very much like the inspiring part of it was, it felt timeless and it felt like, um, because it was, you could root it in history that there was so much to like, there was so much to learn as you like connected that string. Yeah. Well, the production was also very uh, complete. In fact, it's very hard to, for, for me to imagine um, alternate productions, which we can, which Didn't I want to actually work on an alternate into. production. I, that's a whole other story, <laughs> but we can, I, that I'll save for later, but I, uh, I did do a little bit of preparation. I will say very quickly, I did not re-listen to the music because I literally was like, I cannot be in, I, I am not in that space to receive this information. I was so tied up in all of those like, like tender 
big gay feelings that I was like, <laughs> I can't. But and yet I was so obsessed with it that I am confident that in this discussion we can I will not be behind uh, on what we're talking about, even though you are more refreshed with the text. Um, <laughs> what I was saying is I think that there is something more uh, more there was something it was very complete production. And since it was combining a very like contemporary and like edgy aesthetic and like they swore and they they had audience members on the stage and it was all very like edgy and scandalous uh it was like one very complete aesthetic unit that i think not only was ripe for obsession more than something more than a standard show and so it was it was ripe for obsession to to be to not just obsessed with the play or the musical or the music, but also the entire production, the aesthetics and the cast, like getting deep into like the MySpace pages of Leah Michelle and et cetera. Like what Leah Michelle did for me alone. Before we get into the cast. Awakenings. The beautiful group of young people. Before we get into the cast, because I feel like we will run away with that. Can I briefly talk about um, Michael Meyer, the director, since we talked about how complete that production is? Because I truly, I owe that man a debt. He directed Spring Awakening, which I agree was such a complete production that that's been kind of a struggle in the many attempts to adapt it in the 15 years since. He is also um, closely related to the development of um, Angels in America because he's close friends with Tony Kushner, and he was like closely involved in the like de- like decade that it took for Tony Kushner to write that play. He also directed the pilot of Smash, um, <laughs> which is very important to me. Um, he he's he just has had a phenomenal career, but truly like uh, the two core theater the two like core theater texts of my life, uh, he's a core part of and the pilot of Smash, which is iconic in its own right. Y'all <laughs> talked about something on your podcast and I think maybe the first or second episode that I have not stopped thinking about or talking about, um, which is the idea of like your artistic Bible. Mm-hmm. And uh, Judy Bloom is certainly in my artistic Bible, but this is also like, this is, definitely in my artistic bible when I think about like yeah because I have made a small career on adaptation of beloved youth stories right and where did I where could I have possibly have gotten that idea (laughs) um and nowhere good (laughs) but I think I love adaptation because I think like what Spring Awakening did so well was take this text, this old musty, to be honest, let's be honest, the play is kind of musty. Um, this old musty text and was like, we're going to dig for relevance and we are going to say, hey, this is still relevant and find all of the ways in which we can make this still relevant. And one of those things is like, you know, there are new, no new narratives. Every story has already been told. And uh I don't think the any subsequent productions of Spring Awakening have ever done it as well as that first production. They were so thoughtful in that production too. I mean, like to have Michael Meyer, to also have Bill T. Jones, which mm. is like 
especially when you're going to have people on stage when you're going to be doing this kind of like weird 90s music like to pull in this like interpretive modern dancer I I think also just it also gave it like a New York it 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 made it it made it more appealing to people who I think normally would maybe find that idea more pedestrian you know I it they did a lot of really smart things with that production I I I looking back I still think it holds up to to obsession they really they really did a lot of incredibly clever things let's talk about that beautiful cast Jonathan Groff where does where do we start I was in love with him when I like I was in love with him I felt like I obsessed over him (laughs) in a way that I've never obsessed over a lover before or since um there is a part of me that still thinks me and John Gallagher Jr. could work it out. There's like a part of me that's like, you never say never. You could. Hey, he's still in New York, right? I have ran into him on the subway twice in my life. Have you I talked to him? him? Uh, I got his autograph on the subway uh, during the theater strike in like 2009. And I actually like, I would feel bad about that, but I don't because he was uh, clearly on a date and she was clearly really impressed that like someone wanted his autograph so i like to think that i helped you helped <laughs> and then i saw him when i saw him like two years ago i told this story i think i'd read it the reading too actually but i saw him uh on the uh on the j and was just like hey i don't want to fuck with your day but i'm a big fan he's like thanks and it was like very wholesome i think you know they i've i've run into him twice i'm just saying you know i'm very happily married but well jonathan groff spit on me so <laughs> So we've uh, we've both truly lived. Yes, I Thea, I would love to to have you kind of expand more on your on on your love of Leah Michelle. Leah Michelle is everything to me. She's tiny and horrible. <laughs> she really epitomizes what I look for in a woman, which is tiny, evil, and dumb. Brunette. Brunette. And then when yeah, and, and then when she did Glee, and now like all these like horror and stories are coming out about Glee. her. No, I love I love it. I love knowing well, that she's just as much that, like, of a horrible bitch as she pretends to be. We knew the gossip because we were diehard Spring Awakening fans, and we knew that like she had tried to get in someone got uh, Jonathan B. Wright fired from the off Broadway production just because they broke up. Like we knew that she was crazy. She also wouldn't shake anyone's hand uh, or like sign with anyone's pen uh, or look anyone in the eye at the stage door. So we all knew. And then she got exposed and it was really delightful for a 15 year old me. (laughs) Hold on. I have to go onto Facebook and find the pictures that I have with them. Um, (laughs) Clementine, say more smart stuff. I don't know. You, you I, say smart things. I am, who else was, like so many other people in that cast have gone on to do incredible things. Gideon Glick is like an openly gay actor that's had like a really great, fun he's career where he's got to make so many cool choices. Yeah, uh, Jenna Ushkowitz, who was in the supporting cast, um, she was a swing and then she went on to be also on Glee. Mm. Um, she was a, Tina, the one that doesn't sing. And then, um, yeah. Anytime. Uh, Let's just also talk about how Glee put Jonathan Groff on opposite, as leading man opposite Leah Michelle for all of us to just squee over. Oh, I vividly remember this picture. 
<laughs> I'm gonna have I to post I think it on about it every day. Was... <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, beautiful young cast who, and let's. I feel like it. it, it, it we can get as as you know heady as we want about all of it but at the end of the day I think what really did it for me about this show was that there was actual sex in it yeah there's actual sex and actual gay people and there was um it was very important to me at that time I felt very much like I was dealing with adult problems with the resources of a child and that was what I resonated with in that show was like yes the adults sexuality but also the adult like traumas that they deal with in that show and like simultaneously that was what the the tension between those two was the appeal I think yeah Ooh, that was very well put Pia I was just thinking about Leah Michelle sorry (laughs) I think she and I could still work it out yeah yeah I mean I unfortunately I don't know if you're if you can handle that if you're down for that. Oh, we'll get rid of it. <laughs> when I found out that Jonathan Groff liked boys, I actually shed real tears. And I'm very supportive of the gays. You know this. But oh man, I was devastated when I found out that I, I couldn't actually be with Jonathan Groff. And there's a part of me that's like, maybe, maybe, maybe. I think, I think maybe. I, I did introduce him to the term gleeker which is what he does when he's enunciating like that that's the term is to gleek and so at the stage door trembling Ah. just with so much hormone and nerves I was like you're a really big gleeker (laughs) and he was like what's that that's like that's like that's like a real life Judy Bloom encounter that's beautiful I agree (laughs) that's rough man (laughs) that's art uh, I mean, we've talked about it a little bit, but do you see um, this, like this love of the show, or kind of the the impact it had on you, reflected in the ways that you view desire today, in in the people that you desire today? I think that this show was so. I have two two parts to this. One is this show was so good that it kind of tricked me into thinking that I wanted to do theater with my life. That and the fact that I was also like, had a pretty like steady stream of honeys like in the theater (laughs) department. So like, I was like, oh, this theater thing, like Spring Awakening is really good. And also like, people want to lay me here. (laughs) Like, so (laughs) I think I should just keep doing this. Turns out that is not what I should be doing. Um, What was the rest of the question? Uh, how, how it's you... shaped desire yeah I think but then at the time I think I also I was ripe for the messaging that uh desire had to be wrapped up in a lot of trauma and uh angst which is something that I definitely carried with me in all relationships up until uh the until I got with Maggie at which point my mental illness just went away I'm fine <laughs> but um I think it definitely set like a tone that I was like I think I it was kind of like like you know in after school specials when they'll they'll show you like 
this is what it looks like when someone has an eating disorder. But then all the like eating disordery people are just like taking notes about like how to have an eating disorder better. It kind of like had that or like when they show people like doing drugs and like, this is what happens when you do drugs. You're like, that looks kind of fun. Like maybe I should go do some drugs. I think that's like this show kind of had the opposite effect where it was like, they were trying to show you that, that like, we're all just like tender youths trying to love and be loved and getting our hearts broken. And I was like, okay, note taken, must get heartbroken. (laughs) Like, like must be sad about it. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I think that that was something that I uh, clung to for a long time is like an identity and just definitely like didn't feed into uh, archetypes of lesbianism and queer yearning at all. So like I said, I'm great. I'm gr- I'm good. I'm fine. <laughs> I would like to uh, echo those sentiments and also say that I think what the show did consciously or subconsciously, and this might be more of a product of the play than of this particular adaptation, that I know something I kept with me from it that I only kind of really recently identified is this idea of desire and its relationship with consequences because you know it literally in this show you have sex you get pregnant and die and oh my god mean girls is right <laughs> mean girls is right <laughs> um and i think it took me a long time to kind of separate sex and desire from consequences yeah this is in many ways just kind of an old fashioned morality play and i i agree i i a lot of my 20s is separating uh, sex from morality or sex from traditional families, you know, associating sex with like pleasure and um, intimacy and connection, which is not uh, what this is. This is like the drama of like developing desire when you feel like unprepared for it. And that's like the approach to sex in this. Yeah. Which is very- I disagree that I kind of disagree that this is a morality play because I always like I don't think it's as straight of a line as like sex bad make baby then no. die. <laughs> it's like I think it the I think what they're what the it's successful at is showing that the failing is from the lack of education obviously mm-hmm. and like I think there's something there's definitely like a moral statement being made about like maybe we should tell kids how sex works or not kids but like maybe you should tell teens how sex works is is I think more of the, the thesis than I than just like a straight up morality play. I wouldn't uh, say that it's a t- original I, play maybe more so. No, I, well I don't think either the original play or or the musical is is the the moral is sex bad. I think it's the moral is I agree. Maybe not. Maybe morality plays isn't the right term, but it's a cultural criticism. It's a criticism of the adults that let it happen. In the play, that's really explicit. In the musical, it's explicit also in the sense that there's only one male actor who plays all of the adult men, and one male actor who play or one female actor who plays all of the adult women, and all of the teens have like individual names and stories. It's very much about how these teens have been abandoned. That's why like the musical opens with mama who bore me, right? Is like this, yeah, is saying like, I've developed all of these desires. Like I'm becoming a person and you didn't equip me for that because like your morality didn't permit it for whatever reason. I think that's the the criticism there. Morality plays the right term, but yeah, just it. That's what I was trying to get at. 
Yeah, I think structurally, and this is something interesting, again, from like a theater perspective, is like it is a play that is structured like a morality play, but it turns that on its head to be a moral for the parents. And for mm. the, the moral for the, the moral is, the moral of the story is for the adults to, to learn that their negligence, their hangups about sexuality have consequences. Desire does have consequences. The wine is here. Um, desire has consequences, but they're far reaching, not just for, you know, the, the people who engage in it, but the people who failed to educate those who engage in it. Right. It's queer in that way. <laughs> oh, I see the wine. Wait, so while, while P is gone, how did, how did you see it, man? Uh, how do you see this reflected uh, in your life today or in your life recently? I mean, I think it, I, like I've said, I think it was, it's just so intrinsic to, it became such a foundation for like my vibe. I also think that, um, uh, through it, I discovered Broadway Backwards, which was also like such a fun exploration of gender. I, I really feel like I fucked with gender in a lot of ways in this show, which is very like abstract a thing to assign to a musical. But um, I think a lot of my sense of like self and my sense of myself as this kind of like ambiguously queer romantic person is rooted in being the type of person who like is Ilsa in Awakening, you know like yes, <laughs> yes. yeah yeah something that deciding to talk about this on the podcast had me thinking about just like in terms of Spring Awakening because it's I always kind of want to examine like what what intersections had to occur to create something that sparked desire. Mm -hmm. And I know that for me, and this is going to sound very, oh, poor me, but like I grew up deeply hating the way that I looked and deeply hating things about my body. And there was something, this is in no way really analytical, just kind of reflective, but like, I think what really, really did it for me at the end of the day was just the way that this desire was so intense and so immediate and so like Melchior had to have Vendela then mm -hmm. like in this in this beautiful like spontaneous moment in the hayloft and I my imagination kind of ran wild with how linking being a desired with my own desire does that make mm. sense yes that is um wow a thing I am still thinking about every day for and probably just will forever this is do I want to be uh am I doing this because I genuinely desire it or am I doing it because I desire like the validation of being looked at because it's sometimes sometimes the answer is the latter and sometimes it's both and sometimes it's a that's a perversion of the thing because of the deep psychological wound of the thing really? but it <laughs> Oh, I'm going to be wounded. Oh. <laughs> oh, I'm going to be your wound. That's going to be my wound. I mean, it's actually a circle. Oh, yes, yeah. Uh, I have a, I have, I have a whole bit prepared, but in the meantime, do we want wine pouring ASMR? Yes. Yes. On this, on this podcast. You do that. It's actually going to record on like your separate thing. And I'm going to say my thing about Leah Michelle. Um, 
it was so actually amazing to see this person in this position of being desired who looked so Jewish. Yeah. Something that only now am I realizing was a big struggle with the way that I looked is so much like, you know, our society's anti-Semitism around, you know, very Jewish facial features. And so like the fact that Leah Michelle is so Jewish looking and was this object of intense desire actually made me feel like that was possible for me. And I think why I my, identified with Endless so much is because I was like, oh my God, like you can look the way that I look, my sister looks, my family looks and still be desired sexually. Whoa, mind blowing. Especially because I feel like that was, I and this is kind of problematic in its own way, but that was a, the focus of a lot of the interviews that they would have. They'd be like, so I understand Leah that like, a lot of people wouldn't cast you because of your nose, but you didn't want to change your nose because you're a professional singer and you didn't want to change the structure of your instrument. And she'd be like, yep, I'm Jewish. And people didn't want to cast me because of my Jewish nose. Um, And then the interviewer would like predictably go like, but you're so beautiful. And she'd be like, I know. (laughs) And that was like the whole rhythm of that little yeah that she had. But yeah, that was her narrative was very yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, we're having, we're having to get down to the, to the nitty gritty. If you could sit down with your younger self and this is, this is the Rue moment where, you know, you get hold of a little picture of, of your, your young, your very young self. What do you have to say to little Clementine and little Pia? Okay. Here's the thing. I, in preparation for this, have created a list of cringy things that I have done about spring awakening and my version of answering this question is putting this out and releasing it this is a burden off of my shoulders to admit on record the cringy things i have done regarding spring awakening is that a acceptable take on yes. This <laughs> yes okay i made fan art of moritz and i believe ilsa on cds like sharpie onto a cd and then posted that i believe to tumblr but at least to facebook i would listen to word of your body reprise on repeat on my like second gen ipod uh at night and fantasize about when i would acquire my first kiss (laughs) and what that would be like I can't promise that I wasn't fantasizing about one of the two of you, but I'm not going to go into it at this time. In I'm calling you out now, Aurelia. Uh, we had a Moritz off wherein we came to school dressed in Moritz drag and then at our lunch break uh, read each read monologues and performed a song as Moritz. And I believe... There, someone came with us to judge, and there was a winner and a loser. Was it not Clementine? Not, no, because no. I don't think they were at, at school. They weren't at AHS yet. I made so bet- besides the thruple here in, of Spring Awakening obsession, there was a second thruple that of Spring Awakening obsession that was myself, Aurelia, and our mutual friend at the time. 
I don't know if you guys still talk, but we don't talk. Um, we collaborated <laughs> for Aurelia's birthday. We created a Spring Awakening themed Monopoly board, a full Spring Awakening themed Monopoly game. I cannot stress to you how thorough this was. Is everybody good? Do we need like a pause for a refill? I just need to say, you bitches knew that I hated Monopoly. <laughs> and we're like, we may do something. <laughs> Took the well, two. it was supposed the to be part of the bit. <laughs> and the thing I hated most, and you were like, happy birthday. <laughs> is, you know, it's like your truest love born from your truest hate type beat. We just wanted to play Monopoly with you, and we thought that's how we'd be able to get in. That it was, was a, I, it's a one time. very, like, on theme. Anyway. It was beautifully done. You could have sold it. I have watched multiple different, not just one, but several different bootleg recordings of the original Broadway production because I never saw it in real life. I think if I did, I would have just <laughs> combusted into, like, a pile of, like, uh old old pages of books and like <laughs> come <laughs> i definitely i i think pr i'm pretty sure that i saved like had a folder of just like pictures that i would save from like all corners of the internet in the same way now that i have my Lomdell realness pinterest board which is where i store all of my rare Lomdell ray materials i did this for spring awakening and most importantly, I annotated a copy of the play in collaboration with one Clementine Von Radix. It's like a form of seduction, which is says so much about the type of teenagers uh, that we were. Yeah, that we were like, let's like analyze this play back and forth to like... <laughs> I don't have game like that anymore. <laughs> this says, I'm dead. you can cut this if you want. It says, no. you are going to turn me into such an underachiever today because I cannot focus on anything else but reading this. Yours, Clementine. Clementine! Game! Yes. Uh, so I had this is a blackmail. <laughs> I think we were. I think we was fucking at this point. Were we not? I think I was. Um, I think we were working up to it. I think we were working on it. <laughs> yeah. I think I was. Um, I think I was laying the game for us to get there. I'm dead. This is insane. <laughs> Between that and running your fingers with false acrylic nails <laughs> through my hair and then getting one lost in my hair, how can I? <laughs> Possibly turn you down. Haven't changed. Can't change. <gasps> I remember that. Can't change. Won't change. Can't, I wouldn't have you any other me. way. <laughs> it's insane. Um. Oh, there's more. So, so yeah. I I have a second. You might want to cut this part, but I have a second part about how this is related to my life in cosmic weird ways. But I don't know if you want to do that now or later. I mean, we we should absolutely do that now because we're, we're we're moving out of the spring awakening territory after this question. Okay, so this all being said, perhaps the cringiest thing that I did was I wrote one of the uh, 
essays that got me into Carnegie Mellon, where I studied theater, regrettably, was about Spring Awakening. Then, while at Carnegie Mellon, they mounted a production of Spring Awakening that I was not particularly involved involved in. It was fine. Then, after I graduated, the first and only theater-related internship that I had was working with Dane Laffrey, who's a like sonographer, and he was working on the sets for the Broadway revival um, that took place, I think, like 2015 of Spring Awakening. And I, P.M. Marchetti, uh, built tiny versions of the set for that revival out of tiny pieces of wood for his model. And then after that, I said, you know what? I don't think this theater thing is for me. <laughs> this doesn't So Spring joy. Awakening was was at every uh every part of my relationship to theater as a career choice. Still, I still love musical, don't get me wrong, still a huge faggot and I love musical theater. But uh in terms of making it my career, this was at every single step of the way. So I saw it on uh, many on many parts. Also, fun fact, just to prove that theater is is not even six, five people in total. Dane Laffrey, that uh, designer, went to Interlochen, where one Clementine von Radix may or may not have spent a year. Uh, Also directed a production of The Maids, which is what I, my last production that I designed at CMU, and designed a production of Picnic and Come Back Little Sheba that my former roommate um, was starring in. So, furthermore, my year-long scene study at Interlochen was picnic. So, whoa, the world's very small. Oh man, it's too teeny, <laughs> fucking tiny. <laughs> this is why it's like, oh no, I have like dangerous fantasies of like telling people no in front of their faces in my audition room that it's gonna like get me in so much trouble someday. <laughs> Oh no. <laughs> Clementine, what about you? What would you tell young Clementine about, you know, what would you do? What would you say to young Clementine today, particularly about Spring Awakening, but anything else too? About Spring Awakening, I would encourage young Clementine to, um, to like nurture the part of them that is um, obsessive uh, and to, to like celebrate that part of themselves. Um, more broadly, I would just tell me to just relax. Same. I was going to say yeah. that. I would tell Pia the same thing. Just, just, just like, when you meet just them. take some deep, yeah, just like four in, four out, you know, like really, truly. I feel like um, if someone had just told me that it's like not that, not that deep and, and not that important, like 10 years ago, I probably could have saved a lot of my time and heartache. So yeah, I would just tell well, me to while like, we're talking- chill. While we're talking to young Clementine, maybe put in a good word for young me. (laughs) (laughs) I'll pass it along. I just want to say for the listenership, I originally proposed that this whole episode was just about how Clementine Von Radix 
uh, for better or worse was the is the blueprint for my entire sexuality uh and you said it had to be media based and i said yes. but they're a published author and so i found the next best thing which is spring awakening <laughs> hey i wanted you to talk about gossip girl i'm still listeners if you're if you That's are a whole other episode if you sexually evoked to gossip girl please get in touch with me i'm desperately trying to talk about this with someone uh, Pia, you're welcome to come on again. I just need to talk about it. I, I absolutely will. Yes, for sure. I yes. can't wait say. to listen to y'all talk about Chuck. Yeah, <laughs> it's bad. I can't even get into. I can't even fucking get into it right now. Oh I, my god. I every year on Thanksgiving, I watch every mm. Thanksgiving episode of Gossip Girl once I get too overwhelmed with the socializing. That yeah. sounds cathartic. It's really nice. Uh, one last thing about what I would say to my former self. I know that you think that you want to get a spring awakening tattoo. <laughs> you don't. But I want you to start purging that <sighs> thought from your mind. Because just the notion that you once wanted that, I think, is going to really haunt you in your late 20s. I anyway. want a spring awakening tattoo. <laughs> I want a spring awakening. Damn you. You planted the idea in my head and now it's not going anywhere. What would you get? I don't know. Clementine, what should I get? Oh, I, uh, some, maybe like Wendla's dress or something. <gasps> I, okay, no, now that I'm in possession of my, like a, yeah. I think it's a line drawing of like an, ang- the angsty, like more it's singing. And you draw it. Or like um, the knee socks I... of like the outline of the yes i'm gonna oh my god how have we gone this far and not talked about how this really incited a whole like knee sock and stocking interest within me and clementine (sighs) i'm making pointed eye contact with you i'll i i give credit to aurelia that was like an iconic fashion moment that you brought to your 15 year old self to my well that was also relates back to uh our gossip girl obsession and how that I really, I gotta come on this podcast again. You'll yeah, come on this podcast really again. Benefit. I really think that there, you need to make a return appearance, and we need to talk about Gossip Girl because uh, look, someone needs to talk about now, Gossip Girl. See now, I'm really confused as why we never did have sex because you are all over my sexual awakening. You are just like everywhere in it. Okay, so that's what I'm saying, girl. <laughs> I've been watching Sorry. the two of you have this Sorry. conversation that's for what I'm saying, twelve years. Girl. <laughs> Maggie. Hey Maggie. Maggie, is it cool if I fuck Aurelia as a, like as a joke? That's fine. She says that's fine. Okay. We got the green light. Let's go. Let's do it. Great. Let's do it. Okay. We, okay, we have to rapid fire go through these because I have to go to my parents' house and pick up a crab. Um, yep. Yeah. Oh, sorry. My mind. Crab. Literal crab? Like the like a, a literal like crab that I'm going to eat. Wonderful. And it's really exciting. It's, it's going to snow oh. here and I live on this very steep hill. Please so if I don't them, get some food. Please, please say hello for yeah. me. And I would love to FaceTime. I'd love to FaceTime with the fam. Like maybe we can do like a whole thing. Clementine too. I'd love to just like say hi. Cause like, wow. Like two like big bad dykes that I just <laughs> was like, I was like, <laughs> I was like, I'm not like you. And then I was like, I am you. Yeah, they knew you were gay before you did. <laughs> As they should. They are. Uh, they the moment they met you, you were not, you were not out when you first came over to my house. But then you came over to my house, and they're like, "So what's is Pia? 
And, and I was like, I don't I might know. Have been bi- I, I might have been bisexual at the time. You were nothing at that time. You were not out to anybody, but you weren't like pretending to like men's. I don't think anyway. I think you were just like, I'm Pia. Your cat is dead. What can Brown do for you? <laughs> they talk hey. about that all the time. To- oh, Clementine, do you know the story? No. So Pia, Pia came over one day. Um, and my ancient cat had been hit by a UPS truck, flattened just in the driveway. Dead, 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 yeah. dead. And Pia was there and we were dealing with it. And Pia just nods and says, what can Brown do for you? <laughs> and my parents thought that was the funniest thing that they've ever heard. And they still say it to this day. And Pia, I, I, I think that they were really excited to see just such a, a young dyke out here in these streets in these in these streets okay i have three more questions and we can do them very quickly um did either of you ever have the talk uh i had it at school i don't remember having it with my parents my mom told me not to do cocaine um that that checks out for bad advice yeah (laughs) bad advice (laughs) um i read the American Girl Body Book for Girls with my mother. Um, a little too young because her sister had gotten her period really early. So I think it was like I got the I got this whole situation uh, maybe a little bit earlier than other people might have, and then was paranoid about getting my period for the next um, I don't know three to five years. And around that time also, I think there were whisperings in Ohio, in the Ohio (laughs) elementary school circuit about sex. And I was like, sex just means gender. And then the left was like, no, they're different things. And then eventually my mom was like, okay, sex is a thing. And it had the bebe. And my mom's also kind of, as for as much as Honey Marchetti is Catholic, she also is kind of like a, an amazing smart ass because I asked her what French kissing was once. And she told me to ask um, Mary Pearson, who was the mother in a family of like really like new age, non-denominational Christians because she had been to France. So so my mom was just like, ask her, she's been to France. She might know. So like, um, and then I think the rest of the sex talk was in uh, Ashland Middle School. With our hottest fuck health teacher. Don't remember her? Probably not. No, no, she she was hot. She was not gay. She was divorced. I very specifically remember her saying that her mom had been divorced like six times. And she was a person who was kind of like culturally divorced, which I thought was really hot, especially when paired with the being a health teacher who wore like tight fitting clothing. She, she we are having hot. different health teacher experiences. Did you not have Jamie? Well, I just, because we were in different parts of middle school. That's why you right. guys were over in cross grade and I was just in Las Estrellas or fucking, no, I was in whatever. I don't even Rio know. Rio Del I don't Fuego. Want to know. Yeah. Sorry, you didn't want to know, but I knew. <laughs> I hate that you promised me we would never talk about middle school and yet have made it your entire brand. I want to talk about that. 
we could talk about that on the Gossip Girl episode. We don't wow. have time to talk about it now. We haven't okay, been here noted, for two hours. Okay. Um, do you have anything that you would like to promote? Yes, you do. Both of you. Yes. Um, so we have a podcast called We Did the Reading that we do together where we take pieces of queer culture that made us um, the like queer artists, nerds that we are and just kind of um, analyze it from our current perspective. It's really, really fun. Um, and we're having a rally, we're recording an episode with Aurelia tomorrow, which I'm really excited about. I'm so excited. Yeah, we take queer literature uh, as a loose term that, to mean all kinds of written word, books, plays, uh, poetry, because I don't um, know, some people here are a big fan of that, but also films. We did a piece about Britney Spears, also, like, you know, the real queer, queer shit. Yeah. yeah, everything there is, we are, our tagline, or one of the things we always go back to is that we're smart about dumb and dumb about smart. So very much like highbrow and lowbrow, they're the same thing. And we like to talk about everything, sort of break it down. We're so excited to have you on as our very first recorded yes, guest. Yes, our first guest. I'm Should we give a little so teaser excited. about what we're talking about over there? Yes. Aurelia, please. do you want to do you want to tease Aurelia? Do you want to take it? Yeah, I will say that we are talking about the human equivalent of an Audrey Hepburn poster in a bedroom that has fairy lights. Yes, we are. That is exactly what we are doing. I have I'm never so been sold the concept of Taylor Swift more. That makes me want to listen to her. <laughs> that is who she is. And I cannot wait wow. to talk about this with y'all tomorrow. You both also have a... Uh, things respective of the podcast um clementine is a famous poet well let me but let me i'll take clementine. I'll gas up clementine yeah clementine is a big bad poet with how many books out now uh three three books three full working collection. on another which i've seen snippets of and sounds just horribly gay and and a lot of trauma so mm, good stuff there but yeah Clementine's a big bad poet and like a super smart person. And Pia. And can I yeah, can I guess I? Pia up? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Pia is uh, Pia's the director of social media and really one of the like core minds behind the brand of Studio Cult, which creates um, really incredible accessories and just like curates aesthetics and vibes in a really intelligent way that's really interested in branding um and she they are the core of why we have such a like pomo perspective on our podcast um and they are just generally um a phenomenal visual artist uh and have been forever and just in so many mediums it's incredibly frustrating you are definitely two of the most uh, successful and talented people that I've had on this podcast. And Bill DeMeritt is going to hear that and he's going to come for my throat. <laughs> but <laughs> I mean, it. you hear that, Bill? Um, <laughs> um, like my last question before we sign off. Did that do it for you? Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. I've I don't want to be too explicit here, but it, at least three times in the past hour. <sighs> That's a uh, that's my goal. I aim to please. You hear that three times. <laughs> I know both of you are non-binary, and I respect that, love it, and like am working towards that myself. But at the at the time in high school when we all thought you were women, boy, did I did I imp 
impression upon you like what like the werewolf in twilight on that <laughs> infant child and with that so, we're gonna thank stop you. recording <laughs> Well, that did it for me. Hope that did it for you. Thank you so much for listening. That Do It For Ya is created and hosted by Aurelia Grierson, edited, produced, and theme-songed by Eric Solis, and our visual design is by Margaret Chambers. That Do It For Ya is a part of the Juvenalia Collective. Go to thejuveneliacollective.com to find out more. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at That Do It For Ya. And if you want to become a monthly donor, you can head on over to patreon.com slash thatdoitforyapod. If you enjoyed this podcast, tell a friend or give us a rating and review. And thank you so much for being a part of this horny little community.